another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Richard Davison, and I am with my good buddy, Ethan Upman. Now, Ethan, uh, we're back, and the last time we talked, yeah, there was some crazy stuff going on, right? Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks were still in this thing. Uh, we were having Russell Westbrook lead his team. Nope, not anymore. We, 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 we've now made it to the, to the point where there are, well, eight teams, and we are halfway through this, um, I would say, for the most part, pretty good second round. Pretty good second round, with the exception of maybe one um, one series. And, uh, Ethan, uh, your team is still here. That's right. They lost one. They, they lost a uh, play-in uh, game. They almost, they were down uh, in the second play-in game, and, and yet they are still here um, looking strong. I, I assume we'll get to them eventually, Ethan. Uh, but I just want to know, how are you feeling about that? I know you, you were, like, indifferent with this team. How are you doing? I, I mean, it's one of those things. I do love Jimmy and I do love Bam, but I, I will still say there's a lot of players on this Heat team that I don't like. I don't just enjoy watching play basketball. Kyle Lowry, for example. Um, you know, there's, it's just that kind of team. And then. You don't like Kyle Lowry? Is that what you're telling me? You don't like Kyle Lowry? Wow. We know this. Um, but no, the, the, the Heat, I mean, Eric Spolstra is the best coach in the NBA, I think, and he's got a player a player that can be the best player on the court at any given time and jimmy butler you know should we have expected it no no absolutely not but was it possible i mean we saw it was it three years ago like he he different team bucks different team but we have seen jimmy butler figure it out against them before so now i'm stoked i think the heater borderline fun but it's mainly just is Jimmy fun? Yes. Thus, they're you know pushing the envelope. But it's just kind of funny. To see, we'll, we'll talk about the series in a little bit later. But it's just kind of funny to see like a true like almost '90s style with just modern day shot making. Like both these teams are just slogging it out. It's the pace is so slow in that series. It most definitely is. Um, for uh, for us, I want to start with the game that that just happened. Um, now, Ethan, you. Did not get a chance to watch this birthday game. You've been watching the series, but uh, you were you were, you were golfing, and um, I just want to say uh, you have seen the antics. Uh, I, I made you go find it. Made you go see it. Um, uh, I just want to know: um, uh, should we should we bring back the flopping fines uh, and even apply them to uh, uh, NBA owners? Uh, your take on this? I think we should especially apply them to owners. I think owners have no excuse for flopping. They're not out there putting their body on the line. They are, in that scenario, actively choosing violence by inciting a seven-foot man by poking him and holding the ball away from him. That's never going to go well for you. Like You deserve whatever you get for making silly decisions like that. To, to be fair, uh, Matt, Matt he, he wasn't the one who was like shoving Jokic. He was holding the ball. Um, classic, you know, fr- from his MSU days, he knew what he was doing, right? Trying to slow it down as uh, Josh Kogi was, you know, upside down in the lap of the person next to him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll have to see. I I can't imagine um, the, well, let me just say, I can imagine the NBA uh, suspending uh, just because of the whole, anything to do with players and the crowd, um, you know, Malice of the Palace really put the fear um, into the NBA, and and so I could imagine it. I don't think that it will happen. Um, I think that uh, it, you know maybe there will be some sort of fine. I don't really know what the NBA can do if they if they have that leeway. Uh, but regardless, let's assume that Jokic is still in. We have ourselves a tied series, two two, and you know the home team uh, has won uh, both of these games and. Let me just say, in Phoenix, wow, just the Phoenix Suns have been, well, on fire, uh, knocking down shots. And they, uh, today, were able to win 129 to 124 by five points, right? And it's ridiculous that it they played so well. They, they made so many shots, both Kevin Durant and Devin Booker scoring 36 points, uh, Devin Booker on 77% field goal percentage, 75% from three, uh, 83% from the line, right? Kevin Durant uh, near 58% uh, 
uh, from the field, 50% from three, 90% from the line on 13 attempts for Kevin Durant. Like, they're playing and shooting out of their mind, but it was still such a close game, and it required Landry Shamit of all people, to come out here and hit five of eight from three, right? And and you win by five, and that's all because Nikola Jokic was out here posting um, just an other otherworldly um, 53 points, uh, 11 assists, um, only four boards, but that's because the Phoenix Suns just didn't miss. Nobody was missing here. Um, and Jokic, 20 of 30 um, from from the field. 20 of 30. Uh, and it, it's it was ridiculous just the shot making um, on on both sides here from those main guys. The the issues from Denver, if you're looking, you're like, well, Michael Porter Jr. four of thirteen, right? He comes down and there was a, a, a he gets a steal. This is probably a big sequence that Nuggets fans are really upset about. He gets a steal. He's coming down and he thinks, oh, I got this three like transition, semi-transition three, and Aiton is kind of bearing down on him and disrupts him enough that, like, doesn't block it, but it's almost like Michael Porter Jr. saw him at the periphery and just airballed the shot, and it's, it, it, like, everyone, um, I, I'll bet in Denver, let out a collective sigh after, you know, have, you know seeing that. It's, it, it, these are the two, um, in my opinion, these are the two best teams at West and, and could be two of the best teams that we have uh, in, in all of the playoffs. And they may not be the winners eventually, but this has been my favorite series of uh, of round two. Um, uh, I, it just, it, the shot making and just how good um, both of these teams are, their, how, how good their stars are, has just been awesome. I think the best thing about Phoenix and Denver, and I'm, I'm looking forward to watching this game, even knowing result in hand, I'm looking forward to you know playing it back. I think the best thing about Denver and Phoenix is they don't have a lot of guys who get into that much of like the little antics in terms of like trying to, you know, draw cheap fouls and, you know, like holding and grabbing too much. Like Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, while they will draw some fouls, his story. I'm sure there's some. But I would say this this is not your, um, you know, even DeMar DeRozan. Like, this is not your everything I do is thinking about getting free throws. But it's like Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, like, live and thrive off taking those contested jumpers. But, like, being so in control of where they get them from, it doesn't really feel contested. And, like, Nikola Jokic, like, obviously he just, he just does what he does on the ground the whole time and just dribble, dribble, pump fake, pump fake, pump fake, pass an open three or, or a layup. Like, it's just, I think the bigger point I was trying to get to with, like, that comment is, like, these teams just go out and play basketball. Like, I don't see just in the mud, grabbing off ball horribly and just, like, where you can't even, you can't even feel like the game gets a a feel for it. Like, these teams are actually out here playing. I know it's not very, there's no X's and O's there, but, like, the the game flows, and that's 100% accurate. One of the issues that the um, Nuggets ran into here, and you'll see it during a stretch, uh, knowing, recognizing that, hey, who's going to beat us, right? Devin Booker, Kevin Durant. So let's, at all possible, try to you know put two in the ball, whether that is uh, Jokic where you are hedging you know, ball screens pretty hard and then trying to recover, thinking to yourself, well, Aiton's not going to be that force, you know, that much of a force in the paint. And, uh, you know, what the unfortunately did over time, and th- this is the stretch uh, in the fourth where they end up, at, you know, where, where the uh, uh, Suns end up extending it is they go in, hey, we're going to double. We're going to go send the double at uh, Devin Booker. We're going to send it at, you know, Kevin Durant. And it just opened up those shots. And that's that's where you see Shamit hit a bunch of, uh, bunch of threes, a bunch of, bunch of shots in a row during during that stretch. And... Uh, called timeout at about the fourth. Um, uh, sorry, I don't know exactly when. About four, four plus minutes in the fourth. Call timeout. Come back from it, and you see the first possession. They come back and it, it's they're not doubling, but they're like almost you know they they're you know stunting and it just it feels like the Nuggets 
um, in, in that position ended up, I believe, in either a missed shot turnover. They were able to get a stop um, and, and bring bring it back. It feels like the Nuggets can't go into the we are doubling you and we know it and you know it because then it's just going to be swing, swing, swing. And maybe you're like, hey, you know what? We're going to make the fifth guy take and make, you know, take those shots. But if Shamit's feeling it like he was tonight, well, you lose. And it just felt like they got a little too aggressive with that and knowing that those rotations, like you're not going to have Jokic closing out to Shamit from from the midline. It's just, it's not going to work. Um, he's going to have open shots. And it feels like you need to do it in a way where you make you make the Suns hesitate, right? You make them think about, oh, is it coming or, or is it not? And I feel like that's the line that Denver has to walk defensively um, in this during during those stretches. And, um, yeah, just, when you watch it back, I mean, you'll off pod, you'll have to, like, let me know kind of what you think in, in that stretch. But that's just the thing that, that I notice and that's kind of what I feel near the end as far as the defensive approach that they have to take. Well, I think something that's changed and I'd be interested to see how it did like with, with Chris Paul going out, they were always going to like kind of have a little mid range focus moment, right? Where like Chris Paul just dribbles into that open shot or they find Deandre Ayton where he's, you know, getting force fed the ball a little bit. If, if Jokic comes all the way up and while that like was working pretty well and they're getting good shots out of it, there is a ceiling on that, right? There's that two-point ceiling that you're you're limiting yourself to with the Chris Paul and Dow Drayton pick and roll. It's very effective, but you are limited. You get these guys out here, Durant, Booker, and then let's just say Shamit Ross, Lawndale, or whoever else is the fifth. Like, you're now – everyone on the court can shoot. So, like, you're, you're, you can play the game of, like, hope the, the ping-ponging around doesn't result in the hot guy catching it, but the upside is now three points. And I think, you know – when you see guys like Landry Schmidt, Terrence Ross is capable of this campaign as well. All those guys can get hot and carry a, a quarter, and that's what happened today. And I'll, I'll be looking forward to that moment when, the, like, we see it actually happen. It's, I think it just comes down to you—you you, you do have to pick your battles, and you, you got to take those gambles because otherwise, I mean, we were looking at the 36 points from the two superstars, and they did it super efficiently. Like, you—you you, you still got to try to make those guys inefficient because. Odds are Kevin Durant's still going to take some of his shots, even if it's not always the right play. Yeah, and you hope you got Aaron Gordon. He's like, hey, he, he's a he, you're going to make it as tough as possible um, for that. Uh, I guess if you know you have those like 16 minutes out there where you've got Josh Koji, maybe those are the minutes that you can feel free to double more, um, you know, double a little bit more. But guess what? If 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 it's working. I don't think Monty Williams is like, he went nine deep and uh, those nine played 16 or more minutes in this game. But I think Monty was searching and then he found Shamit and then that was it. And so I feel like, especially now that it's 2-2 in a basically in a three game series, you know, if you're doing something that's working, you're not going to see tons of Josh Kogi, but maybe that opens some things up because, all right, now Shamit's in there now. And then you can play tough nose defense and know, hey, this is this is my pressure point. I can get by attacking um, and, and putting him uh, in in some actions as well. We're all just looking for the weak points, right? And while the Nuggets have the big one that's going to play all the time defensively, like the, there's plenty of those things that when when the when the Suns go offense, there's plenty of guys to pick on. For, for Denver and when they go defense you can do the doubling like there's the Suns do not have that fifth guy to fix their problems and what I'm kind of shocked at is that Damian Lee hasn't didn't get some of that burn today like I don't know I just have always thought Damian Lee just knows how to play his role really well and maybe he's just not doing something for <laughs> but like i i would be taking a chance on him to maybe give you the best of both worlds of some of the try hard defense and the shot making i just i, I i'm kind of surprised he didn't play yeah i don't know i just i guess he just hasn't been hitting shots when he's out there and um i, I don't know it's and maybe if shamit doesn't make any shots maybe damian lee gets 10 minutes instead of shamit getting 30 you know like who's to say 
I, I just am a little surprised, like, just box score checking that, like, oh, wow, the guy, a guy who I think could check all the boxes the best, like, regularly, didn't get any burn. Let's go ahead. So, yeah, that's that. Going back, final three games, um, obviously the Nuggets get two of them at home. Uh, home court advantage. Denver probably has a pretty good one, which is with the altitude and everything. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're going to have to see. Uh, Jokic gave a lot of effort today. We'll see if he and the others are able to bring it back at home. I like their chances. Like Nikola Jokic has in like I'll say this, I didn't watch today's game, but he has been in complete control of the game just a little like just coming up a little short twice. Like the, the first, game 1 in Denver, they blitzed the Suns. It was not close. I don't know like I don't know what the score ended up being. And then in game 2 when nothing was working for the Nuggets, Jokic was still in 100% control of how that game progressed. And I, I don't think either of these games got away from the Nuggets. They, they had them close down the stretch. Like, I I just think – I don't think the Nuggets are losing at home. I, so I, I don't know, but I don't know if they'll win the one on the road. But I, I, I think Nuggets win this series. I, I really just think you can't stop him. Like, they, DeAndre Ayton will have to play out of his mind defensively to make it any kind of difficult. And we just haven't seen that – um, since last or two seasons ago. Yeah, we'll have to see what um, these teams have out have their sleeves for this uh, for the final three games. All right, let's get to uh, Boston Philly, another one that just today tied two two. Um, for this one, I was able to go back and I didn't watch it live. I had to had some things I was taking care of, but was able to go back and watch basically the first half. Um, and see, you know, Jalen Brown going in and doing his thing. Joel Embiid hitting some shots. Uh, I was able to, you know, just see kind of the back and forth uh, battle that was that was happening. But uh, the it seems like it would it had gotten you know second half of that game. Uh, it seemed like there was quite a bit going on. I was able to um, be uh, locked in and paying attention to that overtime period, basically last last stretch in uh, regulation uh, and the overtime. And I'll just say in, in Boston, I can already imagine Bill Simmons bemoaning the fact that those two uh, you know periods are ending with Marcus Smart um, shots or, or looking for Marcus Smart, even though... Even though the, the overtime one went in, uh, just went in um, a split second too late. Uh, it, it just seems as though the Celtics down the stretch in some of these close games have been, you know, a lot of times you credit the coach for pushing all the right buttons. It just seems like the wrong buttons have been pushed. At least that's what people are, at least that's the feel that I've gotten from uh, the Boston faithful. Yeah, I think I think Boston's just not making their lives easy enough. There's so much shooting talent on this team and so many good like I will say good, not great ball handlers and facilitators. And maybe the thing that they're missing is that one true like I get my own shot really easily and it's actually an easy shot. Like Jason Tam and Jalen Brown can get to their own shots a lot, but they don't they don't get themselves a lot of easy ones by themselves. And I think that's the distinction and the problem this team is having. They're they're able to manage their way through games, but down the stretch, and maybe this is like a, we, we wish Brad Stevens was still on the sidelines here. Like, they're just not getting into high percentage, out of timeout, and out of, like, short breaks options. They're just not capitalizing on what should be their most effective moments. And I think it's because, you know, guys like Tatum and Brown can always get their shot it's not always the best one when you have literally everyone that they play except for Robert Williams can shoot. Marcus Smart's obviously the worst, but he's not the problem shooting four, four of 10. Those all, all those were good shots when you're talking 40%. I, you know, I think, in the, you know, you look at it in a vacuum and, you know, you, you say, Hey, 40% three point shooting. You know, if, if you look down at the end and say, Hey, our, our team shot 40%, like that's, that's awesome. That's great, um, but at the same time, it's uh, that's just looking at the results. Sometimes the process, like you're talking about, is is not the way that it should be. And 
that's the one thing, and it's it's a difficult situation that they're in because Marcus Smart um, and Derek White are two good guard uh, defenders. Like they're out there able to like they're getting minutes because guess what? You have to take care of Tyrese Maxey and James Harden, and Harden you know, basically no showed games two and three, but games one and and in this one coming up huge. The the thing that these Boston guards are unable to really um, push with this um, Sixers team is the fact that Joel Embiid kind of has a bum knee, right? He just injured it. Something that that's supposed to take uh, you know m- you know four ish weeks to to heal. Well, he he's back in like two two and a half, right? And trying to fight through it. If you remember back to the uh, to the, to the Ben Simmons series, right, against the Atlanta Hawks. And one of the things that they were, like, you think, well, you know, how did, uh, you know, how did they lose? Okay, yeah, yeah. Ben Simmons played poorly, right? The the, the infamous Tyrese, sorry, infamous pass over to Matisse Thibel, uh, you know, from just standing underneath the rim. Embiid's knee was a problem then, too, right? He got injured, and he was trying to do it, and, and because of the the Hawks uh, double drag system, what they did was they basically said, Embiid, come up here. And you're going to have to defend these Trey Young uh, pick and rolls. And we're going to bring multiple multiple people in so you can't load the help uh, you know, a- as easily as you would. And so what we're going to do is we're going to make sure that Embiid is the second guy coming off having to defend this. And yes, De- Embiid is, is a great defender, but he was unable to get as high as he needed to be because he wasn't as mobile as he needed to be and, and drop from there. And that led to Trey Young being able to get good looks. Ben Simmons couldn't navigate those screens as well. Uh, Danny Green was in shambles and he was able, uh, you know, Trey Young was able to come in, hit the floaters, hit the lobs. Uh, and well, <laughs> we know, we know the story. Then the Atlanta Hawks thought that they were better than they actually were because they were able to lock themselves into and past uh, that unique situation. Boston really doesn't have that same uh, way, I don't think, to to make Embiid uh, feel, you know, uh, feel that knee on defense um, in, in his, you know, getting up and, you know, having to drop back all, you know, just as much. I, it just feels like it's an easier navigation um, for them. All that being said... Boston still should win the series. They're the better team. They have less. They have fewer weak points, and uh, but but we're here and it, we're at two two. And at this point, anything can happen. It's it's like you almost needed like a water bug, a um, you know scat back type. Like you need someone who's out here just quick and making Joel make make those choppier steps, putting his feet on the ground and like being concerned. Whereas like you got like the guys we're talking about like. Jalen Brown and and Jason Tatum coming off, even if they run the exact same play, they're they're just not as intimidating. Turning that corner and being like, here, where's my floater? Where's my lob? Which what am I gonna do? They're just not as scary at that. Like they're in the same like stride categories. You'd like they're not getting you off your balance by like with with a quick dribble. You know, like I just. I think that's just where I'm at with the Celtics team, and they've been looking for it basically ever since Isaiah, Tom, they, like Isaiah Thomas and Kyrie Irving's swap and didn't work out as well as it should. Like they 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 just need like one of those kinds of guards who has just the elite shot making and, and passing, and those are hard to find, especially when you're hoarding the all the wings in the world. But that that's what they need is they they need a guy who can actually help. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum run offense without them having to create their own shots. And they could have a guy who could run some double drag and get Horford rolling or, or get Robert Williams rolling when he's in there. Grant Williams pop. Like there's options. They just don't have the guy to execute it. Well, the problem is Rob Williams is not going to be Clint Capella. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Al Horford is not going to be Clint Capella rolling to the rim, but Rob Williams hasn't been able to defend Embiid as well as Al Horford. And, the moment you start going double big, like then you, I, I just feel like 
that's not the direction they want to go. It feels as though they've chosen the, hey, we want to have Al Horford out there. Al, you're going to take some three-point shots. Took, took seven today. He made two, right? And we're going to try to stretch you out, and, and that's going to be the way that we make life difficult on you. I just don't think it's as punishing to Embiid um, as what Trey was able to do in that Hawks series. And you know, I, I guess it really just comes down to Al Horford, are you making shots? Um, if you are, we're in business. If you're not, well, maybe, maybe we don't have it. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough thing because you look at it, it's like, hey, Jalen Brown played, played an awesome, uh, you know, great game. Jason Tatum, not the best from uh, from deep, but you know, it's it's still it's not a bad game. It's, no, it he made be, a lot of know, other things work. Not, not yeah, it might not be as good as. You'd prefer he started off really cold, like he was like 0 for 7 at the start, right? But um, it's so I got two of those guys, and you look on the on the other side, and it's well, they the Philadelphia 76ers have to have PJ Tucker out there for defensive purposes because Tyrese Maxey's not going to do it, James Harden def- defending um, some of these, it's just not going to be in the cards. So you're really relying on Tobias Harris and PJ Tucker to defend these Boston wings. And PJ Tucker allows you to, well, not have to worry about the guy in the corner. Yes, PJ Tucker is to be doing a better job of I'm catching it. I am like actively running toward the next guy and getting into a handoff, right? Um, almost too much. You probably could draw a charge if he just kind of stood in his way because he's, he's literally running directly at um, you know whoever it is, Maxi or uh, Tobias, someone. And, like, you just kind of make them... It just feels like there's too many weak spots um, on one end of the floor or the other for Boston not to be able to take care of this with, with, with the hobbled Embiid. And, but here we are 2-2. Um, I still think Boston gets it. Um, I was hopeful at the beginning of the playoffs that the Sixers were able to do it and be going down makes me, you know, maybe nervous, but Boston should win this. If they don't, then maybe all these Boston fans are right about the coaching situation. Yeah, it might be that. I just think, you know, if, if Boston, like if Boston could have the, the kind of guard dynamic, not even including James Harden of like having a maxi and a Melton instead of a two, a smart and a white, which are the same thing. They they just need that they need that swap ability. Whereas Maxi clearly doesn't play defense great. He's not horrible, but he's not good. Um, but they have D'Anthony Melton for that. Like Boston needs some flip flopping available to him, and they just don't have it. And then obviously with Embiid not being himself, it's just it's really hard to see how he can make a big enough difference. But they're clearly a better they're clearly a different team when he's out there. And as I think he's moving okay enough to keep it like to play a more, even a more efficient game than he did today in terms of like his shooting from the field. We we'll, we just have to see how he can hold up and if Boston can find that actual attacking style that um could really do do him in. And I, you know, they don't have the water bug guard, so I'm I'm curious to see if what they'll figure out. Like you said though, Al Horford, do you make your threes? Yes. Well, tough to beat. Yeah, I think that's about it for uh, for that series. Um, let's go ahead and uh, move to... Well, fine, let's go ahead and move to your series here. Let's, yeah, let's go to Miami, let's get, let's get it out of the way. Um, yeah, let's get it out of the way here. <laughs> um, let me just say, this is as far as the New York Knicks should be. This team is not not as good. Um you're really relying on Jalen Brunson. He's been awesome. He's been great this playoffs. Um, and Julius Randle coming off injury, coming back into uh, the playoffs, and immediately having to, you know, go against Evan Mobley and now pay him at a bio. It's, it's just it's a tough tough situation for there for Julius because you know with with how he likes to get uh, get get his points. Um, and it, it, you're seeing just a lot, you know, too much Obi Toppin out there. Uh, you're seeing Josh Hart do some really good stuff too. Uh, but 
over it just it seems as though they don't have the guns to you know beat this you know Miami has Jimmy Butler Miami has Eric Spolstra and I just think that's it um Jimmy's out there playing with a bunch of bums and uh sorry Bam but I mean kind of is and uh also playing on a bum ankle but when the Knicks couldn't really just blow the heat out in game two without Jimmy, it just said everything I need to see. No, you're it's exactly that. And we can go down the line and down the list of like all the things that statistically are like looking really ugly for the Knicks that you could oh, you could hope that they would get better. Like you could be like, Hey, they're shooting twenty seven percent from three. That's so crazy low. Well, the Heat are shooting 30% from three. It's not like there's a big disparity there. They've both been really bad. Um, you could say, you know, Joyce Randall missed a game. Well, so has Jimmy. And the Heat almost won a game without Jimmy. The Knicks have had no chance in their game without, um, without Mr. Randall. You're right. You said too much Obi Toppin. Yeah, that's 100% true. The only person I've seen play that had I don't think it's gotten as many minutes as I would be playing them that would scare me a little bit I I think Quentin Grimes should be getting more minutes I just I, I like his like him and hearts like kind of like they are the same kind of guy I think I think he gives me a little bit more fear than just about anyone else but then again like if Josh Hart is feeling up to playing as many minutes is he probably should keep playing Josh Hart but Emmanuel quickly has not been good, and he has not gotten any offense going, which is worrisome because it's not like the Heat are just boasting these great defensive guards. Maybe just a nuisance at best. Yeah, no, he hasn't been playing well. He's been pressing, and it just hasn't been there. Pro- problem is, it's, it's like you kind of need Obi Toppin out there for the for the shooting, right? In theory, you need I Manuel mean, quickly to be able to knock down some threes. You start getting to the Clinton Grimes of the world. It's like, ooh, well, eh, are we are we going to be having the adequate spacing that we need? And it's, you know, you look around, it's who, who else can shoot on this team? And so while I do want to slander uh, Obi Toppin a little bit, like, I've been surprised at, you know, how he's been, like, I don't love Obi Toppin, but, but hey, you know, you're you're out out there giving you know, reasonable reasonable minutes theoretical spacing at least and it just it it seems as though again this team just isn't constructed in a way to take advantage of you know unable to like you were unsustainably shooting in, in from 3 the previous series right you were hitting um a whole lot of shots more from deep now you're falling back down to reality. And even still, R.J. Barrett's probably making more threes than he... Than he yeah, he's uh, shooting 38%. Than would be expected. So, uh, yeah, it's just a, a tough thing to ask. I will say, um, seen, seen a lot of uh, Kevin Love that, that has, been, has been fun. Some uh, rebound and just full down the court, you know, connections, QB1, as it were. Uh, and I've seen a lot from uh, Friar Cody Zeller uh, out there with his um, Friar haircut. We love it. Yeah, um, I think the, the things to take away from the Heat here, and like they, you know, they could be shooting the ball better, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, yeah. The thing that the Heat are doing really well, I think, is mixing in their defensive looks. They're throwing lots of zone at at the Knicks who can't shoot, so can't shoot, can't shoot their way out of the zone, and then like. They're 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 hiding guys like Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, and at times in that zone, and then when they're not hiding Max Struess, like when they are go, are going man to man with him, they're they're putting him like in a hyper aggressive on the ball like mentality, running people off the lines like, and then swarming as soon as you peel, get peel to the corners. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So like I think. It's it's just it's just a masterclass by Spo and and a masterclass by by Jimmy. You're the one who put that in the notes, but I'm stealing it. This those two guys are just dialed in. So, this uh, just it's the one person that over time you just look in 
you wonder, how does Jimmy Butler consistently, like, every playoffs just, you know, he, he ramps it up. Regular season, you know, regular, regular season Jimmy out here scoring, you know, 23-6-5, and five, right? Shooting 35% from three, low volume, one and a half attempts a game, uh, you know, getting to the line, you know, eight, eight-ish times. Playoffs come around, and we were upping everything, right? We're out here shooting 40% from three on four, four and a half attempts per game. We're, we're scoring 34 points per game, um, you know, six and a half boards, four and a half assists. That, that, that's dropped down a little bit. Well, Kyle Lowry make, 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 a, make a shot or something like that. Uh, but it, it just the way he's able to increase his um, his attempts and efficiency it's it's just one of the things that uh, w- when you talk about elite playoff players like we've talked about, like Devin Booker's going crazy right now, Kevin Durant, you know, Nicole Jokic, those are the types of you know guys who are stepping up. Jimmy Butler is every bit as you know one of them, and he's you're playing on the defensive end uh, as well. And so he's the reason why Miami's going to make it uh, on the on the floor, why they're going to make it to the conference finals, and. Um, Face off against well, either a uh, shaky down the stretch uh, Boston Celtics team or a, a Joel Embiid off of uh, um, you know with, with with half a knee. So I I think the thing about Jimmy and maybe this is a you know a cre- even still a credit to the like coaching staff and preparation is I just think he knows exactly where he can thrive against the matchups. Like, I mean, we watched him play against that Bucks team, and, oh, you're going to put Drew Hall down me. Great. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, like, find ways to get open, receiving the ball already towards the basket. I'm just, like, my motion, I'm already getting there. He, he can try to keep up, but, like, my body, I'm physically too big for him. And I, can, and I think about, you know, matchups last year with the Celtics. What was he doing? He was, like, there's a lot more pick-and-roll stuff with Bam to, like, get those bigger bodies away from him so he could make all those, you know, later contested mid-rangers. And he's always going to do the late to contested mid-rangers. But I think his focus on where he needs to get his sh- shots and points at just dramatically changes in the playoffs when he is focused on the matchup. And, you know, maybe just that much more focused because of the competitor and the side kind of thing. But that's what I'm noticing is just there's there's a very pointed and obvious this is where I can get after it and I'm just gonna beat it in until you make me change and then I'll do something else. The three point shot making like I know it's it's better I I, I don't look into that because I feel like that's a series to series thing. Sometimes you're just making it like it's one it's basically one game in a series. He's pouring it in and then he just doesn't still doesn't shoot. He, he shot three threes against the Knicks. You know why? Because he doesn't have to. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our last uh, series. Lakers-Warriors. Lakers up 2-1. Um, interesting, just the flow of this series has been, right, Lakers, uh, well, first of all, the Kings taking the Warriors to seven. Shout out, props to them. That was my favorite round one series by far. Well, the Lakers have an extra day of rest. And they go into that uh, game one, and immediately, like, it was a different series. Like, they were not comfortable uh, to start off. The Lakers, uh, you know, having to, you know, defend uh, Curry and Thompson, right? You're able to see uh, immediately, it's like, oh, wow, Jared Vanderbilt, at least in the first quarter, is like, you you were lost on Steph, right? Oh, right. Let's go ahead and Dennis Schroeder, it's your turn. Oh, you got lost literally in the first possession trying to hurt Steph, and he he walks him to three. It's like you're not ready for this, but they were able to um, adjust to the speed, adjust to the tempo, adjust to the responsibilities of having to account for these guys every single you know everywhere you are on the floor. And in game one, Anthony Davis was awesome, awesome defensively because that's. That's the way he always is. Even the games were, you know, uh, offensively, like in game two, he really wasn't feeling it. Defensively, you're still protecting the rim. And that's what he was doing. He was protecting the rim exceptionally well in that game one. And he was making crazy shots. Uh, he was making a lot of contested uh, uh, shots, making some mid-rangers, mid-rangers as well. And 
I think it worried the um, Warriors. They thought to themselves, ah, we can't have Looney, we can't have Anthony Davis think that he's got the edge on Looney. And so they went to Draymond, all right, we're going to have you uh, cover Anthony Davis, and we're putting Looney on the bench. Now, Looney was not feeling well, so it. I don't know if it was specifically because of that, but then Looney came off the bench again in Game 3 for Jermichael Green. I do not care for this. Uh, I didn't care for this um, sub at the beginning of Game 2, even, and they ended up winning this game. But Jermichael Green does not shoot well enough from three for it to matter. This is the, uh, you, know, you may forget, uh, some, some of you listening, but last year, starting games in the um, in the finals was Otto Porter. Otto Porter was out there as your stretch four, able to hit shots. Nemanja Bielitsa was also able to hit some shots and, and spread the floor defensively. Uh, sorry, spread the floor um, on the offensive end. And neither one of those guys are on the team anymore. And they didn't, they weren't able to find a suitable replacement. And so they've, they don't have any other centers either. Uh, and so they've really just been going Draymond Looney. And it, this unfortunately just allows Anthony Davis to be near the rim. It allows LeBron James to have someone to play off of. To some extent, I say that because. Guess who doesn't care if Jermichael Green's out there? Neither LeBron nor Anthony Davis. They he can take how many threes would it take for Jermichael Green to make for them to say, you know what, we should get out there and guard Jermichael Green. It just it's not worth it. It's much more important for us to just defend and take away the rim, uh, and which is why I think you know, guess who's other than Draymond Green, Kamal Looney has really stepped up the passing. The split cuts that, you, that you're able to do, the, the screening, freeing those guys up, um, you know, Steph and Clay on the perimeter. I just would rather have that be the pressure where, where LeBron and Anthony would say, oh, I can't leave Looney because he might go set a screen for Curry. Now Curry's walking in and do an open shot. And I feel like that would stress out Anthony Davis a little bit more. I, I agree. I, I would say the, the focus of me, that I would have would be to how do I keep Anthony Davis on the move? And I think things that keep him on the move more so than closing out to Jermichael Green occasionally or LeBron when he's like in some helps defense roles, him closing out to Jermichael Green occasionally. It's how do we get Curry and Clay and Jordan Poole more of those shots that bring Anthony out? And if he doesn't come out, they're open. The, the trade that they're making is is to have a little bit little bit more space but more shots being directed away from Curry and Clay for for Jermichael Green that's how I see it offensively and then not and secondarily I know if, if Looney's sick that's a different story because he just doesn't have the the energy to go but secondarily if everyone's closing out hard to Curry and Clay they pull, and you have Looney down there crashing boards, not Jermichael Green. That's been a great offense for you guys. Like Looney is killing the boards game. So I, I am just I'm in the same boat as you. Maybe not as severely because like, Jermichael has shot well this series so far. But you know, how many shots does he have to make to make it where it's better than whatever you can get out of Looney setting the screens for Curry to take those shots? And that's just, that's where the rub is for me. For me, I see it, like, I view this series as, here's what matters. Are LeBron James and Anthony Davis getting worn down? Are they getting too tired? Because that was the difference I saw between game one and game two. It wasn't that, oh, Jermichael Green's hitting all these shots. It's that LeBron James didn't have it in the tank after playing the entire fourth quarter. Anthony Davis didn't have it in the tank after playing the entire second half of game one to be able to, you know, put forth the necessary effort, get to the rim, be, be aggressive on offense. And, you know, so that's what I saw. And then then those two guys are able to sit, you know, much of the fourth quarter. 
they're rested a little more than they would be going to the next game. And then you see both of those guys um, have have huge games. And so I, for me, I just look at it as let me do everything I can to stress both of those guys out. And for me, I, I view it as, all right, well, maybe let's go. I think that having Looney as a screener does that more. But you know what also does that more is having to also worry about that with Jordan Poole coming off those screens. And he was uh, in a stretch hitting hitting some shots. I think game two was the game where, where he was hitting some shots. Like, uh, I, I, ha- I have to go back and look specifically to figure out which game he was going off. But it was only a half. And I'm pretty sure it got cold. It was it was game one against the the when inevitably he took the shot that no one wanted him to take because he had been making he was he was six of eleven from three um in that in game one and and again we we, we haven't talked about that necessarily but I, maybe take a dribble in and shoot it but I'm happy he took that shot that's an open shot might be like Tyrese Halliburton said it best on whatever that that show is with Taylor Rooks and Channing Fry. It's like, that might be the best shot you get. He shoots almost 40% from three, probably 30-something from that range. Wide open. You have to take that shot. That's why you're on the court. You need a three. And they went and they doubled Steph. And it's a late contest on Jordan Poole. And yeah, from from that deep, I get it. But you could see Jordan Poole's releasing. And you could see the guy coming in to fly by. You really don't have a dribble unless you're pumping it faking and, and stepping into it but then you got to know that they're really gonna be biting on that I don't, I don't i don't know so but jordan Poole just has not been playing as well as he needs to this team decided to pay him quite a lot and he doesn't give you anything anywhere else on the floor if he's not making shots right he can't defend um he is uh you know Passing is not going to be the thing that he's looking to do first. So in order for him to be out there and for you to be able to, he's got to make more than 28% from three. Okay. You got to be able to make more than 35% from the field. And you're just not able to, it's his, and those numbers have the crazy first half of, of game one built into them. I just, I don't think, with him playing in this way, like you're opening the door um, for the Lakers to be able to take this. And I just want to say props to um, Jared Vanderbilt and Dennis Schroeder for their defense. I did think initially it was going to be a Dennis Schroeder thing. They've done an excellent job of, uh, you know, it was a beautiful battle going back and forth. Uh, I believe in game, uh, I think probably in, in all of these games, but I think in game two, uh, they took the approach trying to, to top lock uh, Steph and um, Clay off the ball. And just seeing how Schroeder was, was able to really fight in those. it's It's been a really fun series. And it, you just wonder, um, and just to say nothing of Draymond's defense. We've not, we've not said it once, and he's been awesome too. Uh it, D'Angelo Russell, not being played off the floor, th- that's a problem. Yeah, the fact that we're we're talking about so much about what the Warriors are doing and not how the Lakers need a solution. Like the Lakers got their got their brains beat in in Game Two, and I, I'm sure there was a lot of these problems, but it was such a non-contest that we are probably looking past it. But you're you're right. Like the fact that we're not look thinking about Laker. Any kind of Laker adjustments is is quite telling that the guys who they've needed to step up, specifically the Vanderbilt and Schroeder, have. And then you know D'Lo, who is you know definitely needed by this team to create a lot of a lot of shots when LeBron's not doing it. He's he's been doing okay. He's been fine, and he's not getting beat on the other end. Yeah, it. I I really do like the Jordan Pool thing is is really just resonating and so my question to you is who what like we're not going to have an answer in real time but what who's who's the wing that's going to be on the move to golden state much like they traded d for wiggins who's going to be the wing that they bring in for 
seemingly nothing to replace Jordan Poole here in um, a few months. Yeah, you're right. I do not have an answer. Um, no, we don't have an answer. There. <laughs> but uh, something's going to happen. Um, that's going to happen. Because cause, cause here's a sneaky thing. If things go poorly for the Warriors, like, are we sure that they are bringing everyone back? Like, you got Clay, you got Draymond, who are uh, up for um, an extension in, like, player option. So it's it starts getting a little shaky there with, again, the new CBA being especially punitive to those at the top where the Warriors are. And I... I don't know. Part of me wonders, like, well, are are they gonna get something for Jordan Poole, or are they more like more than likely be like, hey, San Antonio, do you want Jordan Poole? Just, just take him to space, like, you want to just take him? I I don't know. Like, I I begin to, like if you're gonna retain your own guys, like the like the core, I and maybe this is a little too much. Maybe little, yeah, at this point they could come back and win, and all could be great. But it's gonna. I, I don't think that they're able to come back and and do what they've done in the past and you know win series after series unless Jordan Poole plays better. You need to be able to play better in in uh, if you're gonna win the championship. In uh, you gotta play better in these later rounds. These the Warriors between Curry, Clay, and Jordan Poole are gonna have to just go nuclear in my opinion, to beat this Lakers team. And we, based on some good defensive adjustments and and plans by Darvin Ham, we haven't seen that happen other than little spurts. And the Lakers, what we've we've said, rest rest looks like their recipe to success. And I think they can find enough of it. They didn't didn't get overexerted their last game. So game four could be a problem for the Warriors. Yeah, that was that was part of it. It's like you know, they were they were able to blow the blow the Warriors out and you know get that rest in the fourth. It has been Anthony Davis every other game, but I think that's been primarily due due to rest. So we're gonna see. Um, it's uh, it's one the Warriors desperately need to win because trying to come back three one, it's been done before. We've seen the flip side of it uh, with. Uh, Steph Curry and LeBron, I don't know. I don't know. Don't know if it's the cards if the Warriors go down um, 3-1. We'll have to see. I uh, look forward to that game uh, tomorrow. And I guess if you're listening to it day of, look forward to being able to watch that game. I've enjoyed the, the playoffs a lot as a whole. I'm looking forward to all these series just continuing on. I think there's a lot of interesting little nuggets and what's going to happen as a result, like there's like you know the Warriors could be a blow it up potential team. You never know. A lot going on. Yeah, we'll have to see. All right, good talking with you. 